1: Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept
0: PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about... Come on. No, I'm
1: leaving it to you, hon. You got it.
0: All the good things and the bad things that... If anyone can guess. And I know you've already looked at the title of the episode. <laughs> and potentially the show notes. And now you're are singing. talking about sex this episode.
1: We are. Hello, Sophie. Hello, Jade. Thank you for, you know, stopping singing for one second to welcome me into the chat. Welcome.
0: How are you? I'm good. Good, I think I'm just trying to work out my highs and lows and see if I actually am good. But I I feel like I am. I've actually been just exercising every single day. That's just been my like mantra in lockdown, which has been nice because I feel good after doing it first thing in the morning. And um, I have a high. Do
1: you want to know what it is? I do for sure. I sold my car. You managed to sell it. Yes, I did. So give people a really quick
0: recap if they missed
1: last week's episode.
0: Long story short, we live on a farm and I have a Hyundai van, which is probably not farm appropriate. So we... Little low to the ground for your drive. Yeah, we realised we needed actually a four-wheel drive. But that's okay. That wasn't the reason. Well, it was the reason we sold it. But the added reason was (laughs) that I found five little tiny baby bush rats in my console of my glove box that fell out onto the floor last week and the mama rat obviously made a little nest and chewed a little wire and it was really really cute in the engine so then I had to take the car into the mechanic and get them to fix it which cost a lot but then they said look we've completely fixed the car it's totally fine however Jade we keep on saying to you if you want to get rid of your car just sell it just sell it and get a new one so yeah I did it. Someone was interested in an IMAX with extra, <laughs> extra with specials. Pets. And yeah, so we're in the midst of it. It's 99% done. We're just waiting for
1: all the transfers to happen, but um
0: how yeah. good. I did that.
1: I did not think you were going to be able to sell that thing for much yeah. more than 25 bucks. But they don't know that. But that's because I yeah, I'm scared of rodents. Yeah. So I mean, the car was actually be, no, brand to new. me. That would be like You know, like if you're looking at a house and you want to know if someone's died in the house before. I reckon I could live in a house that someone's died in before I could buy a car that ever had baby bush rats in it. No, nah, no way. I could never
0: live in a house that had death because there's just like little spirits, isn't there? Oh, well, what about your little baby rat spirits? Whoa, oh, yuck. Christ. Okay, moving on. Any lows this week?
1: Okay, so I don't have a low, but can I share my mother-in-law's low? Oh, my gosh, yes, please do. I was in... Ditches over this on Instagram
0: okay so my sister-in-law and I were just fluffing around just pretty much doing nothing and we hear our my mother-in-law and her mum and my husband's mum go oh my god and she comes with her hands flailing in the air like gosh look what I've done anyway we're like what are you talking about She's got all her four doors of her car wide open and she has got a can of what she thinks is vinyl cleaner like a polish right yeah but it it says vinyl spray so she has actually gone around her entire car in vinyl spray that's white. it basically
1: just looks like
0: graffiti it looks like graffiti but to her credit like you know mr sheen like back in the 90s or you know yeah back in the 90s you'd spray it and it goes white and fluffs up a bit so you sort of go oh, okay yep i'll come back to it'll that settle doll. in yes. oh, it'll settle in she did her entire car with this and then realised it was literal like spray paint. So and she went around
1: like the cup holders. The boots. <laughs> oh, boot. my God. I was wetting myself. I, and and I, I think did the thing that added to it was that you and Greta in the background of the video will oh. share the video to our Instagram. Yeah, we We both sounded like Kath and Kim. It was so funny. It was out of control. Anyway, after this, she's like,
0: I honestly think I should write a letter to them because, and a letter, not an email, like has to be handwritten letter, <laughs> a letter saying that, you know, I think that is just false advertising. It needs to be really clear on... On the can, what you were selling. <laughs> anyway, I really feel We'll horror. wait to hear a response for
1: that one, oh. but we won't be holding our breath.
0: But someone did actually write in and said that the only thing that will work is eucalyptus oil because someone wrote a dick or drew a dick on their car once and she drove around all day and didn't realize. <laughs> and the only thing
1: that got it off was eucalyptus oil. So we will see if that actually. She's going to have some fresh works. sinuses by the end of that clean. <laughs> (laughs) okay now how are you I'm really good I don't really know if I've had specific highs or lows of the week I feel like I'm getting in the rhythm of lockdown you and I aren't veterans of lockdown like many of our listeners are this is quite a fresh thing for us which we're obviously very grateful that we haven't been in lockdown too long but it's just been extended and just you know trying to come up with a bit of a routine so that the day doesn't just feel like it kind of drags on and we're not watching our 17th episode of Poor Patrol in a row. So yeah, I feel like I'm getting kind of in the swing of things, super grateful for where we live. I'd say the low of the week is that I'm not living out with you and Greta because you guys <laughs> yeah. just look like you are having a lockdown time of your bloody life. Oh. And it's times like this that I wish that my family was closer so we could all just bunker yeah. down together because you guys just look like you're having, you look like you're going mad, but having yeah. a really fun time. I must admit, We are
0: very, very grateful that because she actually lives in Queensland, but she came down here to Byron the day Queensland got out of lockdown and then the next day she got into lockdown down here and the only way she can actually go home is if she hotel quarantines. So she's not doing that for like three grand on her own with a toddler and And pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, she's just chilling here. But we're making it work. We're having fun, making meals,
1: going for walks. And, um, yeah, it's good. We're getting through it. Now I've got a mum hack for us this week and I didn't realise it was a mum hack and I posted it on Instagram and everyone wrote back saying, "So that's a mum hack. And I was Woo! like, oh, it is? So my kids, oh, no, now that I'm saying this I think I've said this before. Go on, you've got to say it again. About my kids thinking frozen peas are a treat because they come out of the freezer section. I think I've actually said this before anyway. I'm clearly such a crap mum that I have to bring up my the same hacks twice. But... <laughs> It's been working again. I've been giving the kids a bowl of frozen peas before dinner because they think it's like having frozen berries or like, like not the frozen berries is wild, but yeah, like, you know, down. they would eat an entire bag if they could. But, you know, they think that anything that comes out of the freezer section is like a sweet treat. So, yeah, when they're yelling at our ankles for dinner and dinner's not quite ready, we've been giving them a bowl and they honestly think all their Christmases have come at once. But most of the listeners already probably <laughs> know that. because <laughs> I before. actually really like it. And
0: you know what my memory is like, and it feels like it's just like you've said it for the first time. So That's thanks That's why for I that. love
1: hanging out with you, Jake, because every, everything's a surprise. Everything's
0: funny. Everything's <laughs> funny. Uh, there was a mum hack that actually came in and she said that she was sick of feeding her kids and getting mess everywhere, so she just started feeding them in the bath. I love that. Yeah,
1: I love that too. And also I love art in the bath. That's a yes. very good thing to do as well. The bath is just great for lots of things. Like someone else was saying, I was sick of waiting till my child was going to sleep to clean the bathroom. So now I just put them in the bath with their bath toys, like maybe water in or not in, and then I can just clean around them. And I was like, that's great. Nick and I sometimes as well when we want to have an early dinner but we don't want anyone on our lap, we actually eat our dinner in the bathroom while the girls are in the bath because we don't have to touch anyone. No one's touching us. No one's sharing our food. And we sit there, we have a glass of wine and have our dinner while we're watching them safely in the bath. That's beautiful. The bath is just a great place. Yeah, I'm 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 happy with the bath as well. Now tell me a rude or fabulous story. Well, I don't actually know if it is a rude or fabulous or not, but it's a fabulous story nonetheless. So this week I had my period. And we okay? were going, I was fine. Um, oh, I was not fine before it started. And then Ooh. I was like, oh, gosh, am I? do I have PMS or is this just how I'm going to feel the whole of lockdown? Like I was yeah. like the only time I get really snappy and irritable with Nick is the day before my period. And it was that real like, why are you breathing like that? Yeah. Like why are you chewing like that? Why are you talking like that? Why? Yeah. Like just I didn't verbalise it all, but in my mind I was just like, why are you Being like that, anyway. I I really worried because I thought I was still quite a few days out from my period, and I was like, "No, I don't think this is PMS. I think this is (gasps) me in lockdown." I was like, "What am I going to do?" Anyway, I was very relieved that night when overnight my period started because I was like, "Okay, good. Like, we may get through this lockdown together." It's like you know, you can continue breathing near me. I'm not going to stab you or anything. (laughs) Anyway, so I, I had my period, you know. As a mum, you never have any personal space. Goldie came into the bathroom with me and I was putting a tampon in. Oh my gosh, you should have seen her face. She was like so concerned. She's like, you're putting what, where, why? Like she was just looking at me like, where's that thing going? What is that thing? Anyway, you know my kids yeah. are obsessed with playing yeah. with tampons. So the whole rest of the day, she carried a tampon around the house, trying to shove it in her belly button. <laughs> like i don't know whether to correct her because i don't really want her to try and put it where it's meant to go and i was just like oh that's kind of cute just trying to pop it in her belly button like i could use this opportunity to like kind of explain anatomy to her i let it go she's 18 she's got time i let it go but it was very very cute well i think that is very 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 fabulous Now let's get into today's episode, always our favorite episodes when we get to talk about sex on air. We have the beautiful Juliet Allen back. She is a sexologist and we asked you guys to send in your questions that you had about sex. It could be anything, but it seemed to be that the majority of the questions were about postpartum Mm -hmm. sex and whether we're ever going to feel like having sex again. So we... Yeah, we put all your questions to Juliet and kind of shared a lot of our personal experiences as well too because it's one thing to hear from a <laughs> professional but then we think it's also nice to hear that other people are going through what you're going through too. So, yeah, I wouldn't listen to this one around the kidlets. And
0: also if our parents are listening, this is the time to tap out. Yeah. Dr. Text Timmy. us and we can Dr. send Timmy, you a list I'm telling of you to tap out. we recommend. Yeah, stop it. Stop listening. We hope you enjoy.
1: Juliet. thank you so much for joining us back on the podcast today. If anyone missed it, Juliet is an incredible sexologist and we have chatted once before about how to chat with our kids about sex, but you're here today to kind of answer some questions from our listeners about sex in general, but most of the questions were about postpartum sex, which is fitting because you're actually in that period right now. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what's going on in your world right now?
2: Sure. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this chat. You guys are really fun (laughs) to hang out with. So, yeah. So a little bit about me. I, well, like you said, I'm a sexologist. So I basically talk about and educate people about sex for a living. What a job. I know. So much fun. It's, yeah, it's really, really fun. It doesn't even feel like work. So I'm very lucky. Um, Yeah. And at at the moment I'm on, like you said, on maternity leave. So I haven't been doing heaps of sex stuff, but I'm- Professionally
1: or personally.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm um, I'm on maternity leave. And so talking about postpartum sex definitely is on topic for me and- Yeah, I'm looking forward to this chat. I'm looking forward to the questions people have asked.
0: Well, fantastic. Can we get straight in because there's no time to waste? What are some tips for keeping the spark alive when you're trying
2: for a baby? Oh, my gosh, that's such a good one. Thanks. I love that. Well, I can speak from experience because obviously, well, we were trying to conceive um, before our son was conceived. And so it was an interesting journey for me because... I had never consciously tried to conceive a baby. So I definitely experienced how that can impact a sex life in positives and negative ways. So some tips I would give people would be not just to wait for ovulation and just have sex, you know, once a month, but to try and sprinkle sex slash lovemaking however you'd like to phrase it throughout the month because otherwise what I think can happen and people listening who are trying to conceive may agree is that sex just becomes about you know getting a load in you basically and (laughs) and it can become quite you know all about just trying to have a baby rather than actually connect so sprinkle sex throughout the month And then, when you are ovulating and you're consciously trying to have a baby as well as make love, make sure that you are enjoying foreplay. You're not just like getting him hard, getting him in and getting it done.
1: Yeah. And you can still conceive in any position. Like, it's not like you have to just be like, okay, straight up missionary in, out, done to conceive. It's actually quite funny because. I mean I've been lucky that it's never taken me too long to conceive so I don't feel like I've really fallen into that real like this has become a chore type thing. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if anyone listening will agree, I'm quite a like results-driven type person (laughs) so I have
0: never been horny. You're a results-driven fucker. Continue. (laughs) Continue.
1: So I have never been hornier than when we've been trying to conceive, whereas other times sex can feel like a bit of a like thing on the to-do list. Whereas (laughs) when I was trying to conceive, I was like, yeah, let's do this. Like, let's get a baby in there. But maybe as months and months went on, that maybe wouldn't have been the case.
2: I think so. And I think- you know, to preface this, we all have such different experiences. So if people are listening thinking, but that's not me and that's not what I'm experiencing, that's totally right. Like you said, you've had a very different experience, perhaps to me. I don't know I don't know about you, Jade, but you've probably had another kind of experience.
0: I tried to conceive Yumi and it took my third child and it took a little bit longer. So we actually, I think it was about three or four months. And I know on the scale of things that isn't long for some, but when you are having sex, you know, every week or you're really trying to have a child, it does play on your mind a lot. And it's dressed me out. So for me to get my head around when I might be ovulating and when the right time would be, it was so overwhelming. And it it did actually bring the, the sex as a, it brought it to a job in the end. So my husband, like there was one time my husband just came home and We did it for like a few, let's be serious, seconds, and that was it. (laughs) And I just felt like sad because I was like we're trying to create a child and you would like to hope that it's through love, but because it's such a process sometimes, that doesn't tend to happen. It's not the
2: way. Mm, And I think, you know, lots of people will resonate with what you're saying and I resonate too because we were trying for eight months. So on the eighth month he was conceived But in those eight months, we had two miscarriages before he was Mm, conceived. Yeah, it was, it was tough. So we were, we were kind of Mm. dealing with miscarriage, but then really wanting like so ready to have a baby. And it had, it was quite a process to get to that point of being like, okay, we're both ready to, you know, bring life into the world. And so, yeah, I think that also for us was difficult because of the grief of like losing a baby, but then also making love to you know try and have a baby so there were ups and downs but I'll share from our experience because mm. it may help others is what happened for us was when we kind of just let go and they say once you let go it'll happen <laughs> and when you're in the thick of it you're just like f off like like i don't it's like being let told go. to
1: relax when you're stressed like oh great thanks awesome i'll just go do that then
2: yeah it's that's exactly right yeah so i just um I don't really drink, but I started having, um, <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I know, it's, um, I don't, I don't drink. Like I'm just not a drinker except for when I was been drinking when I was, you know, young, really young. But, um, my therapist, I was having a session with her and she said, your homework is to have a glass of like red wine tonight. I was like, but I don't drink. She's like, you need to relax, have a glass of red wine. Mm. And so We were staying, we were on a trip around Australia and we were staying in this beautiful place in South Australia and every evening i just have like half a glass of red wine and I just let go. I let go of the baby making. I let Mm. go of it having to happen at a certain time. I like just sat and enjoyed my red at like 5pm every night, sometimes 4pm. And then I think the next cycle we got pregnant.
0: Yeah, it is a thing. It is, isn't it? But it's easier said than done because you never want to hear someone say to you, oh, you've actually just got to stop focusing and stop stressing about it because when you want something so bad and so much, that is really, really hard to do. But you hear so many stories when you just relax or you try a different approach and you stop thinking about it and stop your mind being so consumed, then, you know, sometimes for a lot of people it does happen.
1: But also I need your therapist number because she'd be so proud of me. I would be really good at that homework. (laughs) I'll go home, have a glass of red. Okay. What about four? I
2: know it was the most random piece of advice a therapist had ever given me, but I took it on board. And and it worked. Like a champ. Yeah.
1: Now this is an area that I need some help in, not because I'm pregnant right now, but I reckon both pregnancies, I can count the amount of times I've had sex on one yeah, hand. Yeah, this is classic. How can we enjoy sex while pregnant? Okay,
2: yeah, this is another really great one. And, again, some people get really horny when they're pregnant and others it just their sex life just goes down the drain. Drops off the cliff. Yeah. Was yours like that, Jade? To be honest, I feel like my
0: sex drive has really just gone out the window like 10 years ago. But if we're going to be honest, I have no sex drive when I'm on my period. I have no sex drive when I am pregnant and it is a really hard time, especially because when you get to that, I guess, eight-month mark and you're quite bulbous, My husband and I tried to have sex and it was actually the funniest memory of being pregnant and getting intimate because he tried to get in there and I was uncomfortable and he couldn't work out the right way to do it and we were in this, like, awkward position, being serious, trying to, like, make it work because we wanted it so badly. Well, he did. I didn't really care. But when we did it, he looked at me in the mirror and I looked up at him and we both just pissed ourselves laughing and went, we, this is just, we can't do this. So we, you know what, we did a few other little naughty things on the side, which you can do, and, yeah, that was it.
2: Yeah, look, we have one of those experiences too at around eight months <laughs> where it was just so awkward. It was the most funniest situation ever though. Like I was like on the side and he was trying, and I was like, this is not comfortable. We tried all positions and I just couldn't move. Like, to, and then like move, the baby to, kicks
1: like, or something, and you're like, oh fuck, they're here with us. Like it's like they're watching. I kind of like baby. that though. Not in oh
2: no, but not in like a creepy way. But like I love to think that when when we're both like having an orgasm, that the baby's like feeling that energy, because it must be something yeah. to be in the womb and feel that. But anyway, back to it, I we had a really awkward experience where we just started laughing too.
1: I interestingly didn't find it too bad when I was big. I found it, uh, I, especially in the first trimester I guess because I've been really sick as well, but there's like no one in the world that I'm more comfortable around naked than Nick. But I remember once I think we were pregnant with Goldie, I would have been like 10 weeks pregnant And we went to have sex and I just felt so I think it's that stage where like you're starting to feel soft but you don't look pregnant yet and I just felt like my body was so not my own. And it wasn't even that I was embarrassed for him seeing me like that. Like I would comfortably walk around naked but it was almost like I was completely detached from my own body. So like having sex in that body felt weird.
2: Mm, Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's common that women, it, it takes a while to get used to our bodies changing so much. And so already without pregnancy, a lot of us have different challenges that come up during sex with body image. And then if you're not feeling great pregnant, or if you're just like you say in that in-between stage and you're just a bit softer, but don't mm. look pregnant, mm. it can, you can feel a bit kind of not yourself. So I guess Back to the question, like, what are the tips? My tip is to accept where you're at with your libido because lots of women come to me and say, Oh, I feel really bad because my libido's dropped since being pregnant, or I feel really bad because it's so high and my partner can't keep up with me. You know, there's always the other Mm. end of the scale. And so just being in acceptance of where you're at. For me, I didn't have a high libido in this pregnancy, especially in the first trimester. I was like, I don't think we even had sex in the first trimester. I was just on the couch, just eating. Like, (laughs) no joke, that was about it. But it's just being an acceptance of like, this is where we're at. And I think, you know... I'm lucky to have a partner who really understands that and would never like make me feel guilty or pressure me to have sex. So acceptance is key either way. And then doing things, it doesn't necessarily have to be like you kind of suggested, Jade. It doesn't necessarily have to be penetrative sex. So Mm -hmm. it can be like oral sex or a hand job or I don't know, masturbation together or not together, but different ways that you can enjoy sharing sexual energy that doesn't mean penis in vagina. Yeah.
1: If you have hyperemesis, I wouldn't recommend giving a blowjob. (laughs) (laughs) If you have hyperemesis, like severe pregnancy sickness. sickness, I couldn't even brush my
2: teeth, let alone put a dick in my mouth. (laughs) Like, can you imagine? Imagine. That would be a guaranteed bomb.
1: (laughs) Which some people I'm sure... Or like that, it's not really in my repertoire. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's a
2: whole niche
1: too. <laughs> uh, that's for another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm speechless for once. <laughs> I think we got you speechless
2: last time I was on Jade.
0: You always do it's <laughs> such a lovely, funny, hilarious,
1: scary topic. Jade now, thinks she's so open, and then all of a sudden we <laughs> chat to you, and she's like, "Oh my god, I'm <laughs> I'm such a, a prude." <laughs> Sophie said, "Dick."
0: Okay, moving on, ladies. Gosh, any tips? tips? tips for having sex the first time postpartum and a lot of women have asked will it hurt no matter what
2: oh okay well my first tip is don't rush into it you've really got to feel ready to have sex the first time and that the time frame that 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 it happens for each woman is very different. So depending on your birth, depending on whether you, you know, have stitches, et cetera, there's so many different
1: mm. like like factors to take into consideration. Yeah. That's it.
2: So Only have it when it feels right for you. Again, don't let anyone pressure you to have sex.
1: I think there's so much pressure put around that six-week mark because it's like, oh, you go to your doctor and you get checked up and magically you can go back to living exactly how you did before you had a baby. But, like, even if you are physically ready to have sex, that doesn't mean you mentally are Mm. ready
2: to have sex. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point too. Because Vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, um I from the moment I gave birth was ready mentally. Like I was like, yay, finally my libido's back. But I knew physically I could could not put a penis inside me at all. <laughs> so yeah, that I was the opposite. Mm. But like you said, so the Being mentally ready is just as important. And, you know, it's important to talk about the fact that birth is such a huge experience for us as women. No matter what type of birth we have, it's a big, like, rite of passage into womanhood. And even if it's the second or third time, it's like another layer of letting go of, like, our maiden archetype into this mother archetype and that's huge for so many women and for our partners to kind of get acclimatized too. And so it's about you know processing your birth is really good like talking about it openly to say your midwife or, or doctor or your um, friend's family. and that I think that helps women too like getting their head around what happened and and then yeah, when the question was will it always hurt? like for everyone. And my answer is no, it won't. For some people, it won't hurt at all. And for others, it may feel a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> <Mom> brain. <laughs> Baby brain, my words, um, uncomfortable. So yeah, just go slow, use heaps of lube, heaps of foreplay.
1: I think also yeah. it was important for me to, I mean, as much as it seems really obvious, because it's like literally the basis of Consent, but to have the conversation beforehand that it's like you can stop at any time. So, you know, I feel like sometimes women may feel pressured that it's like okay if they like give the green right light that they're ready to give it a go that then you've kind of like promised that but you don't know what it's going to feel like mentally or physically so I think just having that conversation that it's like at any time if this does not feel good for you or you need things to slow down or you need more lube or whatever like that is okay and that is normal.
2: Yeah, great one. So to to talk about is having the conversation beforehand definitely, and explaining to our partners that it could feel uncomfortable or that you know I said to Nick I was like I I'm ready to have sex but I just don't know how it's going to feel and it may feel a bit like sore or I, I don't really know. So like just telling him that so that he knew not to just get in there and start pumping away.
0: For me, I found that mentally, if it's like when you give birth and you are mentally scared to do your first shit Mm. and when you do it, you're like, oh, that actually wasn't so bad. So it's the same with me with the first time I have sex. Mentally, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be really intense. This is going to hurt. And The three times, the first time that I did have sex, it actually didn't hurt. And, yes, we use lube so it would be easier and kinder and more gentle on me, but also, you know, my partner understood it was he actually loved it. He was like it's like a new,
1: I guess, Uh, virgin is the word you're looking for
0: (laughs) yeah well I did have vaginal birth so virgin I'm not sure if we could use that (laughs) word but I think mentally I was also thinking a baby just came out of this hole how on earth is he going to feel about this new hole and when he was in oh, he had no complaints. No complaints. And I didn't either. It was fabulous. That's
2: so great to hear. So good to hear great stories. Nick was the same afterwards. I was like, what did it feel like? (laughs) Like, was it different? And he was like, no, felt just the same. Like it was great.
1: Yeah. I was literally like holding my breath. Like, oh my, like after having Mm. our first child, I was like, oh my gosh, will it never be the same again? And he was like, no, I couldn't. And I don't know if they're all just trying to make Uh, us feel good, but it seemed truthful. Did he have a happy ending? Did he finish? Yeah. Well, there you go. See, it was brilliant. Any tips for dealing with pain during sex if you've got some scar tissue from something like an episiotomy or a tear or something like that?
2: Mm, Lots of lube, but aside from that, before lube is making sure that you... Your husband has a small penis. Well, yeah, that could be a bonus. Um, (laughs) I would say first, just getting, getting like the, you know, the all clear from your midwife or, or doctor who can have a look down there and just know that it has all healed up would be the first Mm. thing because you don't want to go prodding and poking down there. If you haven't fully healed Mm. the the vagina though, is quite like, it, it doesn't take long to heal in general. I don't think because there's so much blood flow down there. So it is quite forgiving in general. (laughs) I would say when you feel you're ready and you know physically you've healed to take your time before penetration. So it may be that you don't have penetrative sex going back to the fact you don't have to have penetrative sex to experience orgasm, to experience connection with a partner. Um, It might be just taking it slow or having heaps of foreplay first so that you're really warmed up down there and you're, you know, you're naturally lubricated too. Because what I don't recommend is just when I say lots of lube is like being like, okay, I'm ready to have sex, squirt the lube on, stick it in, (laughs) go for it. Because that's not naturally allowing the body to warm up. And we know that women take a lot longer to warm up than men. So that's another tip, talking to your partner, communicating about your fears, about, like you said, Soph, we've covered that. Yeah. And perhaps even, and I I feel like we may have spoken about this in the last episode, but going to a Yoni massage practitioner, somebody who you've been referred to, don't Google Yoni massage. I don't recommend. Um, I'm Googling it. (laughs) Like any profession, you know, there are some dodgy people out there. But going to somebody who does work in the area of yoni massage and can kind of give you some therapeutic hands-on body work in that area, even in your womb and your inner thighs. And it's not a sexual thing, yoni massage. It's very, like, therapeutic. Um, And I recommend going to another woman. That's another thing that women can do to heal from birth without having to just jump back into sex yeah
1: and let's talk about libido postpartum I mean the most common question that came in was my libido is gone I have no sex drive so let's talk about that is that a normal thing and is that generally greater if a uh, mother is breastfeeding
2: yeah good question Look, again, we're all so unique, but in general, I would say that women do tend to have a lower sex drive postpartum, at least for the first, you know, couple of months, because there's such a big change that's happened. And as we were talking about before we started recording, you know, sleep deprivation is Hmm. quite possible. And so when we're tired, our libido will naturally just decommission and just be like, Hmm. okay, She's tired. She's going through a huge change in life. So I'm going to just disappear for a bit. So, in order to give this woman more energy for her baby, which really is a really like makes sense. Is it true that? women have to
0: mentally be connected to be aroused and turned on and men can just have a physical thing going on yeah in general I would say yes
2: because for women in order for us to have really great sex and connected sex our heart needs to be open like that our heart center in our body yeah and so when we feel really nurtured and we feel like our heart is open then we can have deeper more connected sex but for guys they're Their center, like their heart center is their cock and they they have a heart, but yeah, they're going to lead with their cock. So I think, yeah, it is true that women need more of a deeper emotional connection.
0: But that makes a whole lot of sense. Like if you've gone through pregnancy and given birth and then you're in the postpartum phase, I mean, mentally you're really, your focus isn't down there. So it does make sense that it does take time to get back into that mental space and, and be able to, you know, feel aroused
1: and and get into the swing of things again. Yeah. I found that mine wasn't even just a couple of months. Mine was based basically but like as in I could have sex before but that real desire to ever initiate it or you know like even beforehand like if we had sex I'd always be like oh that was great I should think about doing that more often, but then everything else on the list became a bigger priority again. It wasn't until I got my period back and kind of felt that I was like back in my cycle that I ever thought about actually initiating it. And I feel like maybe in women that's, you know, it's a evolutionary thing that it's Mm. like, well, if you're not cycling, your chances of conceiving are lower. So it was almost like before that, I just felt like I was just in this like low libido type plateau. And then once I got my cycle back, it was more like I could feel when I was ovulating and I would feel like it more and and that kind of thing. So that was a good like 10 to 12 months both times to get that real like urge back. I'd agree with you on that because I only feel
0: aroused usually when I am ovulating and, yeah, when I'm breastfeeding, that's not happening, so... Yeah, that's a good point. So But even
1: for women out there who are even further along than that, like I still don't think that once I get my period back, I'm back to the like sex drive and libido I had before I had children. Like I don't want people to think, Oh, I'm past ten months and I'm still not like wanting ever? to go all the time. Like, does that come back, yeah. Juliet? <laughs> it does. <laughs>
2: It does come back. Definitely. You know, I, my libido is back. So I'm having a really great experience with it in that I'm very like open to having sex. I think the thing that's probably stopping us at the moment is we're co-sleeping, which we're loving and we don't plan on stopping anytime soon, but that's kind of thrown a spanner in the works for our sex life because it's not just like a sweet little cuddle and like, oh, okay, we're turned on. We'll have sex. It's more like You know, it's just changed the dynamic. But um, I think every woman, like I said, has a different experience. And you asked about breastfeeding. So, for the start of this question, Mm. you know, when we're breastfeeding, We're giving so much, like we're just consistently in service to our child, basically, just feeding, feeding. It takes a lot of calories where, you know, that um, thing that women say they're touched out. Mm -hmm. Like they're just baby, our baby's always on us for feeding. And so what can happen is by the end of the day or the middle of the night, whenever you prefer to have sex pre-baby, you've just given so much to a child, the last thing you want to do is then put your mouth around his penis and give to your partner. I could
1: barely even hug. I remember when Goldie was a newborn and so she was feeding a lot and then, you know, Poppy was only two years old so she was still a pretty like dependent toddler. And Nick would get home from work and I would literally struggle to even give him a hug because I would be like, I don't know, like if the girls were asleep or the girls were busy doing something else, I was just like I cannot have even like (laughs) one hand on me right now. And I'm not a super affectionate person. So I feel like I might get to that (laughs) point quicker than other people. And Nick is a very affectionate person. So that was definitely something we had to work on because I was like, I get to 4pm and I'm like, if another person touches Mm.
2: me, I will explode. Mm -hmm. So, I think for those listening that that's happening to, it's important for us to try and get some some solitude, you know, even if it's just ten minutes a day, whatever mm. works for you for us we've like we've got a bit of a structure, thanks to me because I'm like I need time out, you know, I love parenting, and I love parenting my daughter too when she was a newborn, but I said to Nick you know, at least four mornings a week. If you can, when he wakes up, I'll give him a feed and then you just take him just for like
1: mm. till he needs oh, yeah. his next
2: feed. So I can have it either sleep or just lay in bed or have a really long shower or just like scroll through my phone, to be honest, whatever get you back want. to messages, do whatever the fuck I want. And
0: partners, that is the key. That is the key to getting some sexy time. <laughs> give it us is. a break. And you'll get it.
2: I, I actually agree with you, Jade. It's like give us time just to regroup, yep. to like wash our hair, to, you know, the, the things that you take for granted when you're not have yeah. children and then you're like, oh, my God, I haven't actually enjoyed a hair wash for so long.
0: And a hot tip, if you clean the kitchen, extra bonus oh. points or should I say boner points. <laughs> extra <laughs> bonus.
2: I agree. I actually agree. Or like do a load of washing without us Oh, stop it. Stop it.
1: How do we, like one thing I find hard is that. (laughs) 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 All the bloody time. is that all of a sudden sex becomes like an opportunistic thing. Like, you know, if Nick's at home during the day and both the girls go to sleep at the same time or something, I just like automatically like feel those sex pest eyes on me and I'm just like (laughs) this is my second to just like... You know, but, but there's really no other time in the day for it. Like how can we make it exciting when it's really no longer particularly spontaneous? It's more like, okay, well, this is our window, so this is when it has to be.
2: Oh, that's a good question. Personally, that would be something I'm figuring out myself, but from a professional like point of view I think just going back before even that it's about prioritizing it too so having a conversation as a couple and saying you know making sure you're both on the same page that even though we now have children one two three however many children you have that connecting sexually is a priority for us both and that if one person is feeling like It's not a priority, just voicing that I want to make it a priority for us. And then asking, how can we prioritize that in a new way? Because it's not going to be like just, you know, waking up in the morning and just getting into it for however long, because the the kid wakes you up before you even can get your hand on a boner. (laughs) So it's, I think, yeah, about talking about the fact it's a priority. And then, just finding creative ways, like whether it's like I know a few months ago. So if you said you and Nick have like we're having a regular date night. And it doesn't mean you're going out to go have sex in the car park in the car because that's the only place you can have sex. Have you been watching us now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm driving around Cabba looking. Um, (laughs) For a
1: rocking car.
2: But, you know, you guys at that time, I'm not sure whether you're doing it now, but we're just prioritising like going out for dinner and just connecting in that way because they're the building blocks for sex. You can't just expect And this goes, this is a good one for men to be reminded of, just to get it out of the blue. If you're not putting time into listening to each other, communicating how you're feeling, enjoying like a hug every now and then, so
0: Yeah. No, totally. (laughs) The amount of times I have been swatting around the house cleaning and my husband stops me in my tracks and like is like, oh, I'm horny, let's like, and I'm, I'm like in the middle of like cleaning something, like obviously doing something really productive, and he's like, let's go, I'm horny. I'm like, what? You have to do way more than just say that sentence to get me in the bedroom, mate. Like he thinks that that is like, oh, yeah, you- let's go and it's not it takes a whole lot of stop cleaning maybe if you clean for me and then I saw that and then we like have a conversation and then there's foreplay like I I feel like partners and I look I'm only giving my own personal experience clearly but I feel like they forget foreplay or they forget that we as women need it because they can
2: go without that if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that definitely can happen. And so it's up to you to communicate to him what you need. True. If he wants to initiate sex, <laughs> to say to him, if you want to initiate sex with me and say it really softly and nicely, not to so like. So not listen, dickhead. <laughs> yeah, because we can go in. I can go into that too. Like I'm always reminding myself, like put on your soft voice, you know, chill, take a deep breath. Don't be a nagger because I know yeah. if I'm like that, Nick's just like not listening. Whereas yeah, if they I switch say on. to him, like, babe, you know, I'd really love to chat to you about something that's, like, just been kind of playing on my mind a bit. He's like, oh, yeah. He goes into it. Like, <laughs> whereas, yeah, you know what it's like. Yeah, so I do. You could say, like, hey, babe, I, like, it's great that you're horny. I love that you have a great sex life. Give him a compliment. It's like the sandwich thing, compliment, mm. you know. Yeah. And instead of just saying you're horny and want to have sex, how you could initiate with me would be to like, give me a hug, give me a compliment. It depends on your love language. Yeah, he
0: does that. That's not my love language. I honestly think my love language is cleaning. (laughs) It's sick. I've got a problem.
2: No. So your love language is um, acts of service. And for those listening who want to find out what their love language is, Google it and you can do the quiz online for free and you'll find out your love language. So he needs to know if he wants to have sex, he needs to, like, without you asking him, clean the house, do the, d- oh. go out for breakfast, and then you come home and the whole house is clean. Like, that's the turn on for me. I'm like, I've oh, just had an hell. orgasm. Just I was going to say,
1: Jay, do you need a minute? But you've already yep. finished. Hold on.
2: <laughs> hey, what is vaginismus? Good question. I'm going to be really frankly honest and say it's not an area of sexology that I have specialized in or studied. So I can't really speak from an expert's point of view on vaginismus. But from my understanding, it is, it's is—it's a label they've put on this thing that happens where the vagina kind of closes up and contracts and you literally can't get anything inside there without a lot of pain so women who experience it um, often can't enjoy penetrative sex but yeah I I've never worked with people with it because I haven't been trained in it so I
0: thought I'd also mention and obviously this is not related but when I had an episiotomy I have a scar there and if you touch it, it's actually numb. I can't feel any of it, Mm -hmm. but just because I have a scar there and it is numb, it has no effect on my sex life whatsoever because I know that a lot of women who do have episiotomies go, oh, gosh, what's this going to mean? What's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? Yeah, and I've had personally no issue with it. So I just wanted to put that out there.
2: Yeah, that's really good. It's great for other women to hear of that because lots of women do have an episiotomy and worry about those things. So it's nice to hear your experience.
1: And lots of people asking similar things along the lines of how to switch from that mother role to the lover role or or how to, you know, I think sometimes when you've got a new baby in the house or kids or whatever, your partner can end up feeling a bit like your housemate or your mate or your, kind of team member because you're just going into battle together. How can you kind of wear those multiple hats but still make it work in terms of connecting and making love?
2: I wish I had the like stock standard answer to that, the Hmm. magic pill, because I reckon I'd be like so, I'd be a millionaire if I knew the answer to that. (laughs) Billionaire. Yeah. What I feel to talk about again is just prioritising yourself and what do you need as a woman and mother at this stage in your life to feel like your cup is at least three-quarter full and not empty because when our cup is empty, we don't even have the energy to go into that lover role or to go out for dinner with our partner. Like we're just like dinner, I want to go to bed. Mm, Like mm. I don't even want to go out for a romantic dinner. So I've just been personally just reminding myself of my priorities, which is myself first my relationship, my family, and then work. And it's not like I'm neglecting my child in any way, but it's just reminding myself in the background and Nick's been reminding himself that we really need to put out, like support each other, especially in the newborn phase when it's so the baby is on you a lot, mm. support each other to have that solitude. For Nick, that's a lot more like he gets to go for a surfs and his BJJ training and all that. For me, it's like an hour in the morning or perhaps this even is like me having time out chatting to you guys and knowing mm. out with the baby. So prioritizing you and filling up your cup in whatever way possible first.
1: And I think it's so true. It's those little because, you know, we've we've said this a lot that self-care nowadays is, you know, a real buzzword and gets thrown around a lot. But it's more about finding those little acts that are sustainable rather than thinking, oh, the only time I'm going to feel good is after I've had a two hour massage or gone and got my hair cut for three hours. Like, of course, those things are good, but they're also not going to be frequent. So if you're relying solely on them, then your cup's going to be full, very, very infrequently. So, you know, as you said, an hour in the morning, it doesn't sound like much, but it's sustainable and makes such a difference.
2: Yeah. And I think we need to ask for what we need too. Mm. I find it hard to ask for help and ask for what we need, but, um, I'm, try- I'm getting better at it because I have to, otherwise I'm just going to be mm. doing everything by myself. So even yesterday I went out and took my daughter out to get stuff for school, for her school. And then, like, we came back and, like, baby had been crying in the car and um, my daughter was grumpy, teenager and newborn, by the way. Oh, wow. What a combination. That's another podcast. <laughs> so um, I texted Nick on the way home and just said, hey, like, when I get home, can you please take the baby so that I can like regroup because I am feeling so yeah. overwhelmed right now. More more because of the teenager. Yeah. And so yeah, he knew that was what he needed. He was like, yep, yeah, I can. So I got home, passed baby over. And then I was like, oh, I could take a breath, have a shower, think about dinner, you know. Because I think
1: it's really easy to come home and then, you know, if they ask something of you to then snap and go do you know what that card trick was just like and they'd be like no because (laughs) I wasn't there so he was sometimes yeah
2: yeah. he was pruning the lime tree just with his with a podcast in his ears I was like
0: that's what my husband does and honestly look I, I get it I get that this is the way we should all communicate and I think about doing that all the time <laughs> and all that comes out of my mouth is exactly that. Do you fucking know what I just dealt with in the car while he's on the mower listening to a audiobook And I'm like, you mother. Fuck. And I just like I get it. When I calm down, I'm like, Jade, you could have probably spoken to him, you know, way nicer than that you could have just said hey babe and he probably would have gone yeah but you know swings and roundabouts because when he's in that position he does the exact same thing to me it's just that when we get riled up that's just how we express because we're so frustrated it's so hard to learn especially being parents new you know new parents or parents how to have this communication without wanting the other
2: person to feel that frustration with you does Mm -hmm. that make sense yeah, I think lots of people relate to this. It's just about communication. It's just we're not communicating effectively, and then it all builds mm. up, and then we kind of feel resentful. So I could have felt really resentful when I drove in, and Nick was just like having a great time in the garden, which he kind of <laughs> that's his job too, though, is to like keep our garden nice. Yeah. But I could have felt resentful, but then I was like, okay. He knows what I need and and because I communicated, he did it. So I think maybe your homework, Jade, is to work oh, on communication. You know what?
0: A hundred percent because every time I do ask my husband if he can do this or do that, he is such a relaxed, chilled person. He'll be like, yeah, that's fine. And I'm just so revved up, riled up. I sound like literally just one of those crazy people no one wants to marry, but I promise I am actually fabulous. He understands that I go up and down, but just not in the bedroom.
1: I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sometimes I do. It is hard though, I think, to find that balance between like, I want you to do these things without me having to ask, but then also not expecting them to read your mind and then getting frustrated. So I think there's like some things we can expect of our partner to just do without being asked, you know, like things that need to happen all the time, like things that are kind of scheduled in. Well, yeah, you can just expect for those things and, and you should be able to expect for those things to happen but I guess when it's the things that just pop up. They're probably the times that we need to go, okay, well, if I'm expecting you to be a psychic, then we're both just going to end up disappointed in this situation. for me,
0: in my headspace, I think that you're right, Juliet, when you're saying that I need to work on my communication because if I even, like you said, take that one hour time out tomorrow or tonight and I say that that's what I want, I'm going to feel less frustrated and resentful when he's taking time out. It's, I'm not saying it's a tit for tat. I just feel like when I do get a break, I'm way nicer and calmer because I've had time to myself to
2: regroup. So it is important. Yeah. You've, you've hit the nail on the head with saying when you get your time, then when you see him getting his time, you're not feeling resentful because he's getting that time because, you know, you've already got yours or yours is scheduled in. You know, like, okay, tomorrow I get the morning, so it's okay. Like, let him have his surf because tomorrow is my morning. So, you know, having a bit of structure is good, I think. Mm. Totally.
1: And it's all always a work in progress. It is. No one's doing it perfectly.
2: No. And, you know, guys, I don't ever want to like generalise that men don't get us and, you know, have that attitude because guys are just doing their absolute best, I think, in general. They really want the best for us and the kids and the family, but they're like struggling with how the hell do I support my partner if we don't tell them how we need to be supported. So they're probably laying in bed at night just like, Oh my God, she's pissed off again. Like, what the hell did I do? I tried by doing XYZ, she didn't even notice. But that's because that's not our love language.
1: So we. I was going to say, I think love languages are so important in that mm. because yes. someone can be putting in all the effort in the world, and if it's in a way that you don't want to receive love, then they may as well have never have done anything.
0: So, what are the five
1: love languages? Are there five? Yeah, there's acts of service, uh, like compliments. I can't remember. So words what that's of affirmation. Called. Words of affirmation, quality time,
2: yeah.
1: affection, yeah, and there's one more. I can't remember. Presence. Gifts. Yeah, gifts. That's right. Yeah. yeah. As an example, like I like acts of service and quality time, whereas Nick's is affection. So he, he, we came to a head once because he didn't understand why I was offended that when he came home in his lunch break and wanted to have sex, I found that offensive. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, but that's like the highest form of flattery because that's like to him the best way to connect and the best way to receive love, but he didn't realise that, that wasn't for me how I wanted to receive love. And I didn't realize that that's how he wanted to receive love. So here I was offended, but he was like, no, that's so flattering. That's a compliment, Mm. but you know.
2: Yeah. It's just understanding each other. And you know, if you're listening and you're like, okay, how do I figure this out? This could be the solution. Just Google love languages quiz and you can both do it. And there's even one um, now kind of off topic, but for teenagers, so you can understand your teenager. Mm. So you can be like, oh, this is what they need to feel loved so go and do the whole family is there, a, is there a
0: toddler one a toddler up <laughs> yeah, that would be so good but yeah I think so yeah
2: but
1: I think they change depending on what they want but that, at that very do moment do you know what
0: that sounds like a really fun thing and a fun way to actually spend time together start by doing the
1: quiz together and you never know how it will end up true Now, a quick little section on orgasms. Mm. Is it normal for your orgasms to change after having a baby? We had quite a few people write in saying that their orgasms have gotten heaps better after having a baby.
2: Wow, that's really cool. You know, I have never really heard of that. So I'm not surprised, though, because... Energetically, like in our womb, so much has shifted. Like we have housed a child and then birthed the child in whatever way we birth it. And so it makes sense that orgasms, how they feel, could change because the space in there has changed and the energy has changed. So, yeah, I just think if that's what's happening for you, awesome orgasms change over time they change for me they changed when I'm pregnant they feel different when I'm I don't know sad they feel different when I'm ovulating they feel different so for me it changes daily but yeah
1: I will say that even though sex is less frequent than before I would say that sex for us is better than it's ever been,
2: Mm, even
1: though the quantity is less. Why? I don't know. I I just feel like we understand one another so much more than we ever have before. I think that we are more present in it because we know this can't just happen Mm. at the drop of a hat. Like it's taken some form of work to get to the point that we're able to do that. Yeah. I don't know if it's like I mean, I, I'm at a stage in my life where I've like never been so proud of my body or like happy in my own skin, so that could be part of it too. But that took a, like a while postpartum.
0: Yeah. Oh, we've got a, a good one. Should you fake
2: it if you're not feeling it but your partner is? No. My question, mm. My answer is no. I don't think you should fake orgasms. I think we could probably say we all have at least once but i don't i think faking orgasms it's ripping ourselves off of what we could be experiencing and no that that's me being frankly honest yep silence but what what happens
1: if like i had i don't
2: yeah. and i haven't
1: <laughs> but what what happens if you have and then
2: this you know you one. want
1: to stop doing that that they're doing the same thing because they think that that's, you know, what the result will be. Do you just have to have a frank and open conversation and say, sorry, but that wasn't real. And it's going to take 20 minutes longer.
2: Yeah. It's so hard. This one, I've had so many women come to me when I was coaching, saying this exact situation and being like, what the hell do I do? And uh, it's so tricky because that conversation can be really hard to tackle, you know, like I've been faking orgasms for two years or 10 years or however long, two months. So it depends on the relationship you have and whether you feel your partner could receive that and not it not cause a huge debacle in the relationship. Yeah. But some women have had the conversation and it's gone down really well and others haven't had the conversation, have chosen not to. There's no rights and wrongs in ha- what you do, but instead said, you know, now, and this is a bit of a white lie, but I feel like the way that I'm experiencing orgasm has, is changing over yeah. time. And so- the way that I was before just isn't really doing it for me anymore. So can oh, we change nice. things up? Yeah. So, you know, like it depends. you got to feel into what feels right. Yeah. You
0: would hate to turn around in a fight and be like, I've faked every <laughs> orgasm for 10 years. Imagine that.
2: <laughs> that'd be a big slap oh, in the face. That would be the biggest slap. Oh, gosh.
1: And now uh, do you have any tips for getting an orgasm through penetrative sex? And are there just some women that can't and will never be able to have an orgasm from penetrative sex?
2: (laughs) Such a hot topic and question that everyone asks. I think, firstly, there's so much, like, pressure in a way on us Mm. to have this orgasm from penetrative sex. And I think it can come from porn, which is totally should like we watch porn or we've watched porn and the women seem to have these great orgasms with no clitoral stimulation and just like the penis is in it's all always at the exact same time (laughs) it's all fake then like nine times out of ten they're not having an orgasm at all but then it makes us think and guys think oh I just stick it in and she'll come you know so It's far less common for women to just be able to have an orgasm just through penetration. Often they think they have, but say you've been in the position on top where your clitoris is still getting stimulated because it's rubbing on his pelvis or whatever. So if you can't, don't think there's anything wrong with you. There isn't. Perhaps you need a bit of clitoral stimulation so you can touch yourself or your partner can, or you can, you know, whatever however you choose to touch your clitoris. But then if you do want to aim for no clitoral stimulation and an orgasm, just take it out altogether and see what happens. Because sometimes we need to take out that stimulation Mm. for a certain amount of time to then actually realize, oh, I can experience an orgasm without it.
1: And is that because like the Clitoris is more like of an overpowering sensation than probably like the penetration itself. So you've got to kind of like, how you have to turn down the radio to find a street. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, like so you've got to get rid of one of the senses to.
2: To feel the other better one
1: better, experience yeah, the other sense
2: totally. That's that's exactly it. It's like mm. the sensations just in the vagina. It's like, yeah, you need to turn down the clitoral stimulation mm. or the vibrator or whatever you're using to be able to feel into the more subtler sensations that you can feel when you're not just rubbing to the finish line.
1: And final question now that you've touched on vibrators, is it bad if you're Needing a vibrator to orgasm, um,
2: I don't think it's bad because I don't want to say anything's you know mm. bad or good. It just depends how you feel after the orgasm. Vibrators can desensitize our clit and our vagina because of the really, really high vibration. Mm. It means that when we take it away and we touch ourselves or our partner goes down on us or touches our clit, whatever, that we can feel quite numb because we're so used to having that vibration Mm. on us. So that's my concern with frequent use of vibrators. But if you're using it, loving it, and you feel great afterwards, then don't stop, like only stop if it's not working for you. Mm. What's the tool that you have? I have the it's a crystal pleasure wand. And so the difference between vibrators and them are the they're made out of completely different materials. The pleasure ones are made out of crystals, so they're natural. 100% natural there's nothing added to them and the concern with vibrators and dildos is that that industry isn't regulated so there's a lot of nasty stuff that's put in them mm. and then we put them in our vagina and then women have you know bacterial vaginosis i think it's called uh-huh. and like bacterial stuff thrush and all that wonder why and it's because there's a lot of nasties in the dildos and vibrators And the other difference is that the crystals all have a different energy and power in them that activates different parts of us. And so they're, you know, just a different avenue to take. And um, I might have to give to you both. You might have to. Yeah. because It's more a
1: dildo than a vibrator, right? Like it doesn't doesn't vibrate. It doesn't
2: vibrate. So you're definitely relying on the more subtle sensations and it's training the body to do that. So it's a really great way to transition out of vibrators and into something that really allows you to tap into a different way of experiencing orgasm. Is it cold? Yeah, that's a question lots of people ask. Yeah, it can be cold, especially if it's...
1: Because I'm imagining like a gua sha, but yeah, your like vagina. Yeah.
2: yeah, it can be cold, but it warms up really quickly and lots of women say that they love the cold sensation because mm. we're so being warm and kind of squishy and you know yeah warm. that's
1: what I was thinking does it take a bit of like I mean because like a bone is hard but like a crystal is harder like does that take some getting used to <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> it may if you're used to really soft things being inside you but no I think you know my <laughs> is I years ago throughout all these vibrators and dildos that I had Mostly because they'd just been gifted to me from, you know, as a sexologist. And I was like, I'm getting rid of them. I got this crystal thing and I've never turned back. But I think we need to, um, I'll send you guys a little gift. And and yeah, we can
0: do a demo on it. Yeah.
2: And then <laughs> <laughs>
0: lucky it's a podcast and not a video. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie and I will do it together and everyone can view it <laughs>
1: side oh, by bullshit. side. Just out of yeah. interest. Asterisk terms and conditions apply, I think. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, Naomi, you have been. Naomi. <laughs> oh, my absolute- God. Pleasure. For anyone that, oh, no, we never said it in the intro, basically Juliet looks like Naomi Watts, oh, but right. like a dark head I was, like, I was version. like,
1: we have just been talking to someone for an hour about <laughs> sex and you don't even know her freaking name. You have a look. She looks exactly like her. It's crazy. But before we sign off, Juliet, do you want to tell our listeners a bit about your pleasure school for people who, you know, maybe want to take their sex life to the next level. Ooh.
2: Ooh. ah, mm. uh, yeah, I can like you said, so it's called Pleasure School and it's an online space where people can it's like a 12 month experience so every month you get new lessons that drop into the school and guided home study so different journaling questions different exercises you can do as a single person or with a partner and yeah it's 12 months it's for everybody so I haven't just done it for women it's for guys too and also lgbtqi friendly so for everybody and, yeah, it's just a fun way to educate yourself more about sex and lots of couples do it together and tell me that, you know, it's really transformed their sex life and given them an opportunity to prioritise, like we spoke about, and also talk about sex in a new way when they go through the questions together and watch lessons together. So
1: I've been wondering what to get Nick for Father's Day. I might have to get that for him as a gift. I you too.
2: Because it's a win-win. You can
1: do it, it too. It I'll have to get a backup present as well for when the family comes <laughs> on Father's Day, and they're like, "What did you get Nick for Father's Day?" I'll be like twelve-month subscription to the Pleasure School. <laughs> <laughs> And you got, I'll, be, and I'll, be be like, I'll be like, nah, I got him a pair of socks. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the good thing about Pleasure School, actually, is that there's different teachers. It's not just me. And my partner, Nick, teaches a fair few lessons for guys on there. And I think that's good because otherwise, you know, just listening to me all the whole time could get. If I'd beautiful. listen to you the whole time. You're fabulous.
1: <laughs> well, thank you
2: so much for joining
1: us yet again. Are there any anything you want to leave us with before you go back
2: to your beautiful son? No. No, I've really enjoyed this chat and um, I hope people have gotten something out of it, you know. I think, yeah, we've covered so much, which is awesome. Great questions. Love chatting with you. Thank you
1: again for joining us. Thank
2: you so much, ladies. Bye,
1: beautiful. Thanks
0: for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review.
1: If you didn't, good on you.